0: 844 TALK 989. That's 844 825 5989. Phone lines are open on what I'll call What Do We Do Wednesday? What do we do about the biggest issues facing our state and nation? You have thoughts, you have ideas. Call, share them. Let's talk about them. Welcome into The Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor, editor in chief of the Ohio Press Network. You can find us at theohiopressnetwork.com where you can read stories and listen to podcasts you won't find anywhere else because we're not beholden to corporate media mob and actually report facts. I'm filling in the rest of this week for the Bruce Hooley. Bruce, we love you. We continue to pray for you. I expect that uh, Bruce will join us later in the week to provide an update on his care and, of course, to deliver his razor-sharp commentary about World and Ohio news and events. Speaking of Ohio events, when I parted Friday... I ended with a couple football predictions. First, I said the Buckeyes would play in some adverse weather in West Lafayette, forcing them to rely on their offensive line and running backs to score points. Now, that could have been problematic because they've previously underperformed and been inconsistent there. But I predicted they'd shore up the issues and make a statement against Purdue. Well, the Buckeyes won 41-7. to I asked online if it was a statement win. Some folks said yes, agreeing that the Bucks have traditionally not played well at Ross-Ade Stadium. And, by the way, you'll remember that they got wiped there in 2018. Others said, man, it's Purdue. You can't have a statement win against Purdue. I disagree. I think the way the Buckeyes won more than the score shows they've improved. They were on their third and fourth string running backs and still rushed successfully, had a balanced offensive attack which means that the offensive line performed up to snuff. The defense held the opponent to seven points. I think that's a solid day on the road. Then, then there's the Cleveland Browns. I predicted a three-touchdown loss. Well, the Browns won 19-17, to handing the San Francisco 49ers their first loss of the season. Jeff, I, I think you alluded to the fact that the Browns seem to win the games they're expected to lose – and then collapse like a cheap card table in contests they're supposed to win. What did you think of Sunday, man? Did you see that coming? Uh, I, I don't know that I expected them to win, but I definitely expected it to be a closer game than people thought it was going to be. What do you think this says about the team? Because traditionally, I'm telling you, as a lifelong Browns fan, here's what I see. People are riled up, they're ready to see next week, and then boom. Boom they drop a goose egg or they have one of the worst performances of the season. What do you think's going on in Cleveland? Is it going to be different? I hope so cuz you can't beat, you know, arguably the best team in the league and then go the next week and lose to a team who's missing their starting quarterback. Right? <laughs> and 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 by the way, Jeff was talking with me before the show. That defense is nails, man. Uh they've given up just over 1000 yards in 5 games, and that's uh, the fewest amount of yards in, in over 50 years so we'll see uh jeff was on he was on target man and by the way that's jeff Myrtle he's producing the show keeping me on time and online thank you jeff you do a fantastic job we have a big show lined up today we need to talk about the race for speaker in the u.s house involving ohio's own jim jordan we need to address president joe biden's trip to israel what does it signal what does it mean there's more going on than the mainstream outlets are reporting we need to talk about that and then I'll be joined on the Legacy on PossumRun.com phone line at 1135 by Phelim McAleer and Anne McElhenney. Now, they are a husband-wife team. They're investigative journalists, award-winning writers, and filmmakers. They wrote the New York Times bestselling book, Gosnell, the untold story of America's most prolific serial killer. They also produced the movie about him. You may remember it, starring Dean Cain. And then the serial killer podcast – They've produced was also the inspiration for a verbatim play that was called "O Gosnell, a story about the truth that used only actual court and grand jury testimony from Gosnell's trial. Now, you may be sitting in the car or behind your computer screen going, who's Gosnell? Dr. Kermit Gosnell, the doctor who for decades operated a clinic in the poor part of Philadelphia, a clinic that was raided by authorities and what the authorities found, the FBI DEA and other investigate why was the DEA there because he was also slinging drugs selling drugs illegally out of the operation Uh, they captured and presented at Gosnell's trial photographic information and other information and that due process produced the following guilty charges for Gosnell three counts of first-degree murder of three infants one count of manslaughter and the death of one of his adult female patients 21 felony counts of illegal late-term abortion 211 counts of violating Pennsylvania's 24-hour informed consent law. McAleer and McElhenny will open to the public this Friday an exhibition, and that's what they're going to talk to us about today, in the short north called Evidence. It's not political. It's not pro-choice. It's not pro-life. It's literal photographic evidence of what authorities found when they raided Gosnell's clinic. Anne and Phelan will be here to chat with us about the exhibit and why they're doing it and more. Listen, if you've read Anne and Phelan's work, it's unsettling. And frankly, I think it's timely. You know, one of the arguments we hear often from people who are supporting issue one is that late-term abortion is a scare phrase, a scare tactic used by alt-right conservatives to control women's bodies. Late-term abortions don't happen, is what they argue. And that Even if the proposed amendment, issue one, opens the door for late-term abortions, and by the way, it does. It opens the law up to allow them to birth for almost any reason. We'll talk about that again later. Uh, But they argue that they won't happen even if it's in there. And if they do happen, they're, quote, medically necessary, end quote. You've heard that, right, online and when you talk to people about it? Well, Gosnell's case and the book, movie, podcast, and now exhibit tell a grotesque and completely opposite story. But you know, he's not the only person who performed late term abortions. He did it illegally, but it makes you wonder are these types of crimes going on now in cities, places where health departments turn a blind eye because the producers of these procedures are being performed or they're acting under the guise of serving an underserved community? That was the attitude of officials in Philadelphia who allowed these murders and serial killings to happen. But abortions past the point that an unborn child can feel pain happen in Ohio now, regularly. In Dayton, abortionist Dr. Martin Haskell performs abortions through 22 weeks and has admitted that 80% of the partial birth abortions he performed were purely elective. He has claimed that the other 20% were because the child had a genetic abnormality. Those don't sound like medical necessities to me. Do they to you? By the way, Haskell has donated $100,000 to the Yes on Issue 1 campaign. I wonder why. How about the fact that 50,000 abortions per year are performed after 15 weeks of gestation, the point at which a child can feel pain? 10,000 of those happen after 20 weeks. And don't forget about... Colorado's lack of gestational limits, that has allowed abortionist Dr. Warren Hearn to specialize in late abortions for over five decades, ending pregnancies of women who are 22, 25, even 30 weeks along. One former patient of Dr. Hearn admitted to having an abortion at 35 weeks. So the claim that late abortions don't happen or won't happen if the amendment passes, they're bunk. The fact is more of them will happen. And people like Dr. Haskell and companies like Planned Parenthood, who's bankrolling this operation, invest in campaigns like Issue 1 because they expect a return on their investment. In this case, they want more revenue from infanticide, terminating the life of an unborn child. And they want the law to permit them to do that well beyond the point of pain for reasons that the Supreme Court has already ruled would include a litany of reasons, emotional, financial, social, mental and other, quote, health reasons. Folks, don't be duped. You need to vote no on one. In the second hour, we're going to tackle Ohio's education issue, the root cause of the biggest problems in in how we school our children. It comes down to this. We have a lot of adults tied to money given by teacher unions and non-government organizations created to shape government that are putting politics, power, and money ahead of best practices. State Senator Andrew Brenner will give us an update on two recent examples of this. We'll check on the status of a lawsuit that we talked about last week filed by union-tied Democrats on the state school board who are working against the creation and implementation of the Department of Education and Workforce. That would put standards and curriculum under the authority of the new DEW, director that's appointed by the governor and approved by the Senate. Now this threatens the power play of unions on the state board. So they're fighting it. And just last week, the same law firm that represents the leftist state school board members filed a suit in Franklin County that aims to keep a reading program in Ohio schools. The problem, the program was a story that was told by the people who sold and profited from its implementation without data and without real world evidence that it worked. We'll uncover this with, with Senator Andrew Brenner at 1206. Thanks for tuning into The Bruce Willis Show. Are you seeking a lucrative side hustle? The Alpha Beta Report is your golden ticket. They've cracked the code on turning humble accounts into towering assets. You can get educated, get empowered, and let your money work wonders. Dive in at alphabetareport.com. That's alphabetareport.com. 844-TALK-989-844-825-5989. The phone lines are open. What do we do Wednesday? What do we do about education in our state? What do we do about the border crisis, what do we do about the speaker race in Washington, D.C.? You have thoughts? Share them. Give me a call. Uh, Last week, Steve Scalise won a GOP conference vote, and it was expected that he'd be the next U.S. House speaker. However, you'll remember, my sources in D.C. told me that there were a group of never Scalise representatives. They were not going to vote for him. They were not going to flip. And even though he had the majority in conference, he would not get the 217 votes that would would be required on the floor to be speaker. And then I said, Jim Jordan isn't out of this thing. I said, "He'll, he'll probably get another shot. Well, Thursday night Scalise dropped out of the race and you guessed it. Jim Jordan was up again and something really interesting has happened first Jordan won the conference vote on Friday I was with you that day we talked about what was going on in the Republican conference and I reported to you that the vote was going to be on Tuesday and that Jordan's support looked pretty good what I also discovered was that he didn't have the 217, but that he would be lobbying over the weekend. And people on his team and other teams, whether it was Scalise or anyone else, felt as if Jordan would be the guy. But you know what was interesting? All weekend, what we heard from mainstream outlets, including Fox News, by the way, was that Jordan lacked support. That the vote was going to be on Monday. And it was really odd. Because my sources, which are really good sources, they've they've not missed the mark on anything, said, no, the vote's going to be on Tuesday. And uh, support sits pretty strong. There's still some lobbying that needs to be done. Uh, he might be at about 200 votes in the first round. And it's probably going to take a few rounds. Well, guess what? They voted yesterday, which was Tuesday, not Monday. And by the way, in case you're wondering, why did, why did you bring that up, Jack, about these outlets reporting things that way? Because particularly in the case of Fox News, Fox News people, unless they're there to hate on Fox News and you know get their blood boiling, it, tend to be Republicans. And so what Fox News appeared to be attempting to do was to whip votes against Jim Jordan. To inspire people to call their congressmen and say, "No, not Jordan. Jordan's too extreme. Jordan's not a uniter." You know, Jordan was the guy that denied the election. Jordan was the guy that uh, was had a hand in January sixth. Right, all, all the thing, all the things, by the way, that the left is saying. So beware what you read. Beware what you listen to, because sometimes. Opposition is actually controlled opposition in the case of Fox News. And and I have a story about Fox News personally uh, that I'm not going to entertain you with today. I may do it later in the week. Um, But don't be duped. Okay, Uh, So here we are. The next vote will likely not happen until, what, Wednesday? And it appears that Jim Jordan's team is now whipping votes. Um. He's been working to close the vote deficit coming out of the GOP conference election on Friday, and he has continued his outreach to Republican holdouts, not only yesterday but today, and he said, I felt good walking into the conference. I feel even better now, he said, after the House GOP conference meeting on Monday evening. We've got a few more people we're going to talk to, listen to. And then we'll have a vote tomorrow. That's what he said going into Tuesday. Um, Jordan was able to pick up some high-profile endorsements from Republican House members who initially did not support him in the GOP conference's secret ballot election, including Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner, right? You know where Mike's from, Uh, Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Mike McCall, Armed Services Committee Chairman Mike Rogers, now, he still faces opposition from members who oppose the effort to remove Speaker Kevin McCarthy. One of those is Nebraska Representative Don Bacon, Representative Carlos Jimenez. These members pledged to vote for the California Republican on the first ballot of voting for Speaker on the House floor. And uh, if I, my memory serves me correctly, I listened to the roll call vote, and that is indeed what happened. And actually, that's what my sources told me would happen. So, you know, there's posturing that goes on in politics, right? So some of these Republicans don't like the fact that Steve Scalise didn't win. Scalise was my guy, darn it. I wanted him to win. Or they don't like the fact that Matt Gates moved and people responded and Democrats joined him to oust McCarthy. So McCarthy's my guy, darn it. Well, my guess is that round two, round three, some of those votes will come over to Jim Jordan, and what I was told in the beginning is this this will probably wrap up around the second or third round. I'm standing by that. Reports are all over the place, and uh, by the way, I, I gotta say this I, I would be irresponsible if i didn't did you Did you catch? Any of uh, the floor action yesterday, obviously, Jim Jordan was nominated by the Republican conference and then Representative Hakeem, the dream, Jeffries, I call him the dream because he is the Marxist progressive dream. I mean, he embodies everything that these big government lackeys love and and pray for. Uh, He's the guy that Democrats put forward. And uh, it was really interesting. They tried to, when introducing him, tee him up as the safe bet, the moderate bet, uh, that Jim Jordan is the election denier, that Jim Jordan is the guy who is radical. Um, But, you know, of course, I found some tweets from Hakeem Jeffries about denying Donald Trump's win, uh, about denying the legitimacy of the United States Supreme Court. Uh, The Dems nominating Hakeem Uh, And and calling Jordan an election denier is about as rich as it gets. Uh, Up next, uh, we've got the husband and wife combo that you don't want to miss. So stay tuned to 98.9 FM, The Answer.